So here we are, episode 20 of Hemispheric Views. What an exciting time to be alive. So I think we should start the show off with a bit of a time check because we're recording at a very slightly different time. For me, it's quarter past eight in the evening. Pretty much perfect time to be recording a podcast, I think. I think we call that the golden hour. Finally, being in WA pays off. (laughs) What's the time over there, Jason? Uh, It's more perfect. It's 4.15 a.m. Good morning. The, the, The best hour for doing anything. You can watch the sunrise as you podcast away. I feel great. I feel alert. I feel ready. I feel episode 20. And Martin, what time is it there? Well, look, I've been upgraded to a more human hour. Uh, it's now quarter past 11 in the evening. So it's still the same day as both of you, which is unheard of. You're going to get our best performance today. We're all in the same time zone, sort of. Same day. We're all in sync. I'm not in the future anymore. It's kind of depressing. (laughs) And moving away from the future into the past, but into the present, because that's what follow-up is. Andrew, you have a special follow-up item for us. I do. You may recall us talking about assets, my technology assets that I've maintained over time. One of those assets, the long-lived Apple Cinema display, has finally left my ownership I was able to sell it, got 200 bucks for my cinema display, which I thought was pretty good because I paid $1,299 for it on the 15th of January, 2011. And people will know that I know that stuff because I maintain an asset lifespan spreadsheet. So that was all good. And I I worked out that what it cost me uh, about $2.47 per week, I think was the number. And then when I sold it, I suddenly thought, hang on, I've got 200 bucks in my pocket. How do I reflect that in the spreadsheet? So I had to, I had to re-engineer it. I had to go back, go back, look at it and think, how am I going to do this? I've created a new column. I now have a resale value column, which allows me to put the $200 income back into it. And now reflect the fact that if you think about it originally cost me $1,299, 200 back at the end of it, my cost per week, now less resale, has come down to $2.09. How good is that? This is like a whole new world. Uh, It's it's actually inspired me because now I'm looking at all my other assets and thinking, what else can I dispose of and reduce that total cost per week? See, when you mentioned this, I thought, this is fantastic, and I had to send you a message of congratulations, which you seemed very happy to receive. It's a big moment for you and your family. Um, But I'm also a little bit concerned about what happens with this column, because you say that you're going to have to, you know, look at other things that you want to put in this resale column, but what happens if you don't? What happens if it's mostly blank? Is that okay with you? Well, yeah, I mean, I I have to think of the heritage value as well. So some of these things need to go in the, you know, the shelf of memories Mm. and they have. What I did do though, just to soften the blow a little bit as I've started to fill it out, I went down and I realized I had an iPhone 8 plus listed there, which was ridiculous. That was so expensive. I had it for a short period of time and it was like $14 and 45 cents a week. That's ridiculous, right? And then I thought, no, I, I traded that in. 
So I got I did the trade-in thing on a new iPhone or a new something or other, but I think I got 350 bucks for it. So I quickly plugged that in, and which has taken it down to a much more reasonable $8.79 per week. Sure, I'm not going to fill all the columns, but I am looking for things to get rid of. So if, if anybody wants to maybe buy a Samsung TV, <laughs> you know, it's a bit old, bought it in February 2017 for 498 bucks. Happy to get rid of it. It's not very good. Are you turning hemispheric views into Gumtree, Andrew? <laughs> Is that what's happening? <laughs> well, I should. I, I successfully sold the cinema display via Gumtree. So didn't get scammed. The guy came to my house. I told Jason this actually on the chat that he sort of said, oh, you're going to do a back alley transaction. And I was like, no, I just told the guy where I live and he can pop over. And he came in, he came into my lounge room and I turned the monitor on and showed him it was in perfect condition. And he was like, yep, yeah, looks good. We did the transaction. We did PayPal cash transaction thingy, Bob. And away he went, happy as Larry. Did you feel a moment of sadness? Because you do have a nostalgia shelf. I know Jason has one, but you've got a place where you put these things. And the cinema display is a nice looking product. Did you have any problem parting with that? Only a small amount of sadness. I think when I turned it on and looked at it for that last time, I was like, oh, it is such a beautiful display, but it's not retina. (laughs) And I think it's softened the blow, but I'm talking, I'm using an iMac. So I've still got a big screen. If I didn't have a big Apple screen, it would probably be a little bit more difficult, but no, this is, it was okay. It was time to go. It's, it's, it's serving a longer life now. It's helping another person in the world. So that's well, speaking cool. of Samsung stuff, I've got a Samsung display here. If you want to buy that, how much is it costing you per week? I don't know. You know, I don't track these things, but I'm sure it would make a very happy, happy person in Western Australia to use it. What do you reckon they wanted this display for i just i'm having a hard time wondering it has so many limitations in today's world where it, it's like mini display port first of all so that limits you to very old computers to connect it to and the resolution like you said it's not retina it was like 2560 by 1440 or something yep uh, yeah i just i 200 bucks just i was shocked i thought you'd be lucky to get you know here's 30 bucks and a candy bar at best. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I reckon I, I reckon I won the lotto on this one. It was an older gentleman. He said he just bought it a secondhand MacBook or something and he was fine with it, but he just needed a bigger screen to work with. And so okay. he was, you know, obviously limited budget. He's got a secondhand computer and now he's found a secondhand monitor to go with it. And he was, he was happy. He was stoked with the price. He thought it was great. Well, congratulations, Andrew. And talking about income, I see there's an update about coffee. You've added this, Andrew. What's happening? Just a little update on the, the coffee donation. We had yet another huge donation. I, I would have expected, and maybe this is a ref- sad reflection on me. I don't know how you guys are. If, if somebody says, buy me a coffee, I'll buy him a coffee, right? Buy him one coffee. Maybe if the chat goes a little longer, I'll buy him two. It's implied. It's buy me a coffee. It's not buy me 50 coffees. I mean, it could be. Don't, don't not do that. But well, well, there's a certain gentleman, Eric, out there who decided one coffee wasn't enough. He's bought us 10 coffees. Get out of here, Eric. Who are you? I know, right? I know. 
It's incredible. So Eric, who I have actually seen on, um, I haven't seen personally, I've seen a picture of him on micro.blog where all the nicest people hang out. I saw him. So I've seen a photo of him. So I know he's a real person. <laughs> Apparently he enjoys having our company on runs, but he runs in like the snow. So he's tolerating us while needles, icy needles are hitting his face. I'm impressed. So <laughs> we should be buying him coffee, I think. I know. He, he's generously not followed the instruction to buy a singular beverage and he's listening to us. On a, I, I can't believe it. It's amazing. So thank, thank you, you Eric. Eric. That's, that's fantastic. We're going to invest that. We're actually going to be buying um, some GameStop shares with that. I thought we were going to start our own podcast hosting company called Fireside. <laughs> so Eric, your money is being well invested. We appreciate it. And it's very kind of you. Thank you. Well, if he's listened to any part of the beginning of this with your spreadsheet, he knows that it's being well accounted for. Speaking of investments and ways we're spending money and plans for the future, I think we might have another big announcement. Sticker store! I was hoping there'd be music there. Yes, stickers. The long, long anticipated addition to the Hemispheric Views family you can now get awesome, cool stickers to stick on all of your stuff. Hemisphericviews.com slash stickers. Uh, currently, we have the show artwork on there. You can get that. But if you go to that website, which you should be at right now, as you're listening to this, you should be browsing, slightly scrolling, looking, saying, wow, look at all these great designs. There's several things that are coming soon. But uh, yeah, check it out. Again, hemisphericviews.com slash stickers will get you there. It's a store envy site if you are familiar or unfamiliar with that. And yeah, they're there. They're, um, I think, pretty affordable, if I do say so myself. Uh, shipping is quite low. <laughs> so throw them in your cart, check out, and you will get a very cool sticker to stick on whatever you want. We don't even care where you stick them as long as you send us a picture of where you stuck it within reason. We also have launched a blog. So you can find these links in a post and there'll be more posts to come. It's like it's 2010. Blogs are still all the rage. So Hemispheric Views, broadening the e-commerce and blogging ecosystem like we're 10 years ago. Thank you, listeners. It's amazing. I know one person who'll be stoked about the sticker store. You guys know who I'm talking about? Absolutely. I think I can guess. And if he hasn't purchased one by now, I'm very upset. We're not outing him. That's the deal. Right? I think, yeah. We'll see. If, we'll see if he can. <laughs> that would be too much pressure. We'll see if he can self-identify. <laughs> now, keeping the, uh, God, we've got a lot of very commercey things here. Are you taking over this CFO, Andrew? This is unbelievable. We also this have. This is the best episode yet. I'm loving oh, goodness. it. This is just turning into one big spreadsheet of financial report. Anyway, we have another announcement. Wait a second. Wait a second. Do you, do you hear that? What's that? Unannounced trivia corner oh, coming in early. <laughs> what? Yeah. Who's ready? I haven't been studying. It's earlier. You should be on your game, ready to go. Question number one. Hey, let me take a sip of water. Hold on. Oh, huh. oh hold on. We've got water sipping happening. Is that still or sparkling? That's just still straight from I don't the... I'm on sparkling. Is that an advantage? Straight from the little fridge dispenser. Question number one. The character's name in the original Donkey Kong from 1981. A. Mario. B. Jumpman. C. The Plumber. D. Hero. I'm just going to jump in and say 
plumber. Yeah, that's what I was going to go with, the plumber. Okay. Locked in. Agreeing again. Question number two. <laughs> Stop agreeing yeah, with you, me. You guys do tend to agree. I don't know. Maybe I need to change the setup of this. It's just the hemispheric view. Sorry. Keep going. What was the original name of the company that we know today as Pepsi? A, Pepsi Cola. B, Brad's Drink. <laughs> C, Cola Beverage. D, Pepsin. Do you want to go first this time, Andrew? Yeah, I'll go that first. What was it Pepsi Cola Company? Pepsi Cola. You're going Pepsi with that Cola. one? Pepsi okay. yeah. Cola. All right. What was D again? I've already forgotten. Uh, D was Pepsin. It's so horrible. I'm choosing that. <laughs> it's hard to get past Brad's drink, isn't it? That's... Yeah, my memory was over overwritten at that point. <laughs> Thank you for playing Unannounced Trivia Corner. <laughs> well, that was very on brand, Jason. Thank you, because you seem to be the master of game creation. You announced this in a number of ways, but you mentioned it on the separate podcast that we did together when you joined the virtual lounge. But I think you need to spend some more time describing this. You have created and launched your own board game. Yes. Another thing for people to purchase. This is just like (laughs) so much money exchanging hands here. Poor Eric. He's already given us coffee money and now he's got all this stuff that he's he's obligated to purchase as well. Yes, uh, I did. It's been a long road. I, I think some people may or may not know about it. If you are happen to be on the lovely Microdot blog, you may have heard about this over, over time. The process was interesting and convoluted and is still causing me somewhat of a... Um, Uh, heartache just because (laughs) making things and selling things that are physical is really hard. And I think this is just a really good reminder that no matter what, when you're trying to make a thing to put into someone's hands, everything can go wrong. I think anybody that's ever tried to do a Kickstarter or anything like that, or not tried to do one, but tried to buy something on one knows that it's going to be late. It's probably not going to be exactly what you thought it was going to be. And it's just damn hard. But the game is done. I'm very happy with it. Uh, the name of the game, I guess I should probably tell you that, is Macro Dungeon. And it's the idea is it's, it's kind of a twist on a, on a classic dungeon crawler kind of thing. So you got up to four players taking turns, drawing cards, and making movements through these various cave paths that are kind of one-by-one squares. And the goal is for you to basically get to the treasure in the center before everyone else. The twist, uh, the macro part, is that generally you can kind of go one move at a time with a card. So a card will say northeast, southwest, or wild. And you can decide, you know, to go in that direction if you get the correct card. The key is you can have these little uh, macro brackets where you can then say put one of those down, put in up to like four or sorry, up to five cards put another macro bracket and now for your single turn you're moving like five different spaces instead of one so that's where the strategy comes in is you're trying to build a hand that can basically get you ahead quicker check it out it's macrodungeon.com. uh the name of the company that is making it which is also what i made up is coffee pot games coffeepot.games is where you can find that game as well as there's already another one in the works so yeah, check it out, please. Um, feedback is always welcome. Uh, it's my first board game, but I think it's uh, I think it's pretty dang good for a, for a first go. And it's kind of that print-on-demand situation. So as they get ordered, they get made, which is part of the 
part of the problem with making physical goods is having someone to manufacture it and ship it because you don't want to have your garage at home full of 60,000 board games that you then have to ship out because that's not very good. And you've got a lot of stuff sitting on the books, as Andrew would say. So, yes, I would appreciate it if anyone would check it out. If you're into board games or know somebody that is, I'm also working on trying to get it onto Tabletopia, if you've heard of that, where you can do board games basically virtually and you can play with friends that way. Uh, yeah. So again, I, anybody listening to this in the Southern hemisphere, <laughs> shipping is probably pretty brutal because again, logistics, but that being said, trying to get it out to more locations if I can and, uh, yeah, check it out. Thank you. So I have a very quick question because I think it's fascinating. When you first told us this, I thought who on earth thinks to make a board game. And I'm not mocking you. I just think it's amazing because you just see big company names on established board game boxes in toy shops and stuff. It, it's just, it blew my mind a bit. So what actually prompted you to do this? How did it come about? This was actually my second game. Uh, the first game was a little, I would say, overly ambitious in terms of what was needed from an artwork perspective. So... As I got down that path, that one got set aside as this idea came into my head. And it really was just, I wanted to do something that was not uh, digital. I wanted to create something kind of physical that wasn't a computer-related thing. Because everything in my life is always computers. So, yeah, I just wanted to do something analog. I like board games. So the ideas just kind of came to me, and I went with it. And fortunately, in today's world where you can pretty much get anything done on the internet, uh, there are places where you can have people print physical board games now, which is kind of crazy. That's amazing. You don't have to go and try to pitch your game to Hasbro or whatever and, and you know hope that it works out. You can just do it. And I think that's really awesome. Okay, so I thought, so with Safari, right? I've been, I've tried all the different ad blockers and because I'm ad block mania, but I've given up on them all because I've gone to next DNS as a server. So I know there's, and I've, but I've still got one going hush, which I found out about from Gruber because I think it does JavaScript blocking. So all the cookie pop-ups and things like that. I don't know how well it's actually working. I did have one blocker and wiper both running. I think they probably actually did a better job but they just seem so full on. And I think that's probably my biggest complaint with extensions in general is that they're just so like intense because they're really focusing in on that edge case nerd and the edge case nerds want everything. And it's just like far out. And so harsh was just like one, but one thing load it and you're done. And that's all I want from an extension. I don't want to think about really mucking around with them too much. So, and then I use one password because kind of have to and what's the other one i use um oh yeah that's right stop the madness talked about weird blockers but that one i think it does good stuff does that just turn off the internet does that just block the internet totally (laughs) (laughs) it sort of does some weird it stops like click checking and all those sorts of things and and like weird scroll patterns where if you know if or if you can't drag and drop an image out of a web page and that kind of stuff i think it fixes a lot of that but it seems to make browsing better, even though I couldn't really tell you exactly what it does. So I've run with that. And then Markdown Linker, which if you want to grab a Markdown link for 
URL is really good. But that's about it for me. And then I have a few on Firefox that I use specifically like for YNAB and Readwise. But I'm just wondering, do you guys get into extensions at all? And do you like the way they work? Because in Safari, again, Firefox is just gross. Chrome's gross. The way you got to find them and then you get this weird web page for configuring them and everything. It's just bad UI. It just seems like there's bad UI across the whole sphere of extensions. I don't like the way anyone does it, to be perfectly honest. I use Safari. I don't use the other browsers. I have Firefox. I use it on occasion for a couple of things. I think that model is terrible where it's just like random websites. You're installing who the hell knows what. You know, you could be on their Firefox browser uh, extension gallery. Maybe you're on some, you know, John's website and he you're installing again i don't know what you don't and then you have to go like look in and dig and see what it's actually doing so in that respect i think the the safari model is is good in the sense that you can be as sure as you can be that what you're installing into your browser is is safe you know um i think with the stuff we're doing in browsers nowadays the the focus on security and privacy of what these extensions are doing is is of the utmost importance and you know you you install an extension and it says we can view all of your browsing history and this and that and the other thing and, and we're just like okay yeah go do whatever you want and steal my keystrokes you know i don't think the safari model really is great either i always find it confusing because you go to install it like in safari if you go to safari and then safari extensions you would think that opens up where you do your extensions but it doesn't it then goes to the app store and you're like wait what why am i going to the app store and then it's more confusing because if the app associated with the extension is a paid app like i've just opened it and there's something called mate universal tab translator it's like oh that's cool i'd like to have an extension and it says 30 dollars. and you're like wait what extensions are 30 dollars? no not really the app whatever it's called mate is 30 dollars, and it has an extension it's, it's like, 46.99 oh. in australia well i'm getting a deal so i'm gonna buy that right now because it's on <laughs> sale clearly so yeah it's just kind of confusing how it works and I'm, i can't tell you that I have a better solution, but I, I can say that as as much as there tends to be some reluctance to everything being in the app store, I do feel better about installing an extension through the app store than I would off of, you know, Joanne's super cool extensions.net because I don't know what that's doing and it may do what I want, but it may be doing a lot of other crap that I don't know about. So I don't know. I think it's okay. Just on your $30 thing, sorry, I just had to ask Andrew this because that was really fast. Did you convert that on a website, Andrew, or was that just in your head as CFO? <laughs> no, I've been doing this. Because I didn't see any eye flickering or scrolling in no, your glasses. No, I've been doing the same thing. I followed the links to the um, extensions page. And of course, okay. because Apple uses its pricing indexes or tiers, or tiers they call them, isn't it? So yes. the Australian tier is always like way more than the US version. I just wanted to know if you'd gone financially supernatural for a moment. <laughs> Continue, Jason. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I, I, Safari extensions, they're fine. I'm not a huge extension. 
person myself either. Uh, one password, of course, just because you know that's one password. It's how you use it. Uh, I have the Ecosia thing installed because I've been using that as my default browser for I don't know since well, I guess since it became available as a default on the browser, which actually we can talk about this another time, but I found it to be quite good. Um, uh, I have a confession to make. I, cause I remember talking about Ecosia on this very same show mm-hmm. a long time ago, getting excited about my trees. I'm sorry, man. The results suck. <laughs> like, I think it's a Bing thing. I've got three, I've saved 307 trees. So, well, you're doing it for the team then because I couldn't keep it up. It was just the results weren't good enough. Slight side tangent. What do you what are you finding has better results then? Are you just using Google? I DuckDuckGo. Sometimes I Google. I find the Ecosia one have better than DuckDuckGo. Actually, if I if I search from within the browser, it's DuckDuckGo. Oftentimes, if I search by launch bar, I'm so programmed to just type command space goo, and then whatever I'm doing, so I'm doing Google searches there. And I've tried to retrain my fingers. Gross. But I haven't succeeded. I never think to go command space DDG. No wonder you have so many ad blockers using Google. No, no, man. <laughs> Sorry. So I've got the Ecosia. Uh, I have Hush because I'm sick of seeing people tell me that there that cookies exist in the world. Known that since 1992. Great. Don't need to see it every time. By the way, in browsers, that should just be an option at this point to say, accept all stupid cook, like whatever, we get it. We don't need 50 stupid windows coming up over every web page saying, we collect cookie. Yeah, that's how the internet works. We get it. it. Isn't that kind of the implication if you don't tick block all cookies? Yeah, you would think. That's it. Anyway, Markdown Linker, like you said, to grab Markdown links works pretty good. Tamper Monkey I use because I have the the user script that I made for that's a grease monkey thing basically like, yeah oh grease like grease monkey yeah, yeah exactly for for running user scripts so I have that for the micro.blog one that I maintain and then I think that's it I think that's the only one so really isn't a lot going on from an extension standpoint. I think I've, I guess I'm most annoyed that 95% of extensions are made because the original products are made badly. You know, like we shouldn't need almost all of these stupid things, but every almost every extension seems to be a hack to fix the end product being made incorrectly or poorly. Mm. What about you, Martin? You sound like you're sort of a you're a nudist when it comes to extensions. Typical ones, like you said, hush. You know, one blocker stop the madness. The one that I really love has such a niche specific purpose, but I suppose that's the point of all of these. It's Fixerific, which is the extension that Twitterific allows you to put into Safari. So if you do happen to use twitter.com just within the web browser, it will eliminate the who to follow and trend sections of the website. Very clever. See, a hack to fix a product that is made exactly. badly. <laughs> That's right. And look, I mean, I prefer using Twitterific or, you know, just an app in general to the Twitter website, but quite often, you know, I have to go in there because there's a group messaging situation or something about the API that's different or whatever, you can name it. But I will say, I reckon extensions could be a lot more exciting. And I remember I used to be a lot more excited by dashboard widgets when they were a thing. 
sounds like you guys are much the same and i'm glad to it's interesting to hear that you guys are all using hush that's one that I've, i'm intrigued by because I, I i shouldn't be surprised should i that you nerds are using it too it's like we all read the same website or something yeah i know crazy huh one other thing i just thought of the problem with extensions is that i don't like using stuff that i can't use everywhere and now if i get my safari browser on the mac all tricked out with all these crazy extensions and everything and then as soon as i pick up my phone none of that exists and that's just super annoying to me it is annoying we need to have if you're going to have extensions especially with them being so locked down through the app store and everything they should be on ios as well so ios 15 feature request i I would i would hope so I don't know. Yeah. At, at this point, I just, I, in my life, I don't like when things are different when I switch between devices. And that's the biggest problem I'm having today with transitioning between the Mac and iOS. It's just, I can make one so much different than the other. And then I kind of feel lost. And I think that's mostly why I've been having this weird, like transition back into just using stock apps for a lot of stuff because I know it's going to be exactly the same no matter what device I pick up and it's not oh wait on this one it doesn't have the same custom theming like it does on the Mac so I have to be in this other color scheme ah I just I want it all the same I think I'm just past the past the age of of dealing with all that like all the custom home screens people make that look so awesome I think they're cool I can't be bothered. I just can't. I I don't want to remake an app that is a shortcut to open the app that I'm trying to open just to like, no, I, it's cool for screenshots, but it seems like a total pain in the ass for real life. Uh, Jason, I just noticed, um, I think I can see behind you. There's some kids on your lawn. You might just want to tell them to get off. So that's hilarious because I actually, oh man, this is so good. So not too long ago, a few weeks ago, there were actually kids out in front of my house using our front yard like it was a playground. And without even skipping a beat, I just screamed, hey, kids, get off my lawn. And then I really had to pause <laughs> and realize, like, I wasn't yelling at them. They couldn't hear me. I was in the house. I was, I mean, it was for a comedic effect for my wife who was in the house, but... It was just like, wow, that just came out. I've officially crossed You went on over. a rocking chair with a rifle? Not e- No, no, I wasn't. Because that's like the classic image of at least yeah. parts of the United States. Are you sure? All right. No, no, not here. But I did actually say something to the effect of get off my lawn. And then I I, I thought it was hilarious. And my cans, my precious antique cans. <laughs> oh, look what you've done to them. <laughs> This will be really quick, really quick. I just, I had to tell people about this. We just watched this thing. Uh, are either of you familiar with a thing called Masterclass? Never used it, but yes, I've heard of it. Yeah, I got it after using it. I wouldn't probably recommend paying for it. So that's a big endorsement <laughs> right there. But I literally, I think I got it for like a year for like a dollar or something somehow. I don't remember what happened. But anyway, there was a thing on there that we watched recently and it was called um the guy's name is ron finley and it's ron finley teaches gardening bear with me oh yeah the the his tagline so he is uh he's a community activist and a self-proclaimed gangster gardener right and he shows you how to 
do gardening for kind of, you know, if you know nothing about anything, he, he walks through, but he, the way he does it is he's, first of all, he's hilarious. He's, he's a no BS kind of guy. And I think I'll put a link to the, um, the little kind of preview of it. And even that doesn't do it justice because he, if you're into people that, uh, like to use exotic language, let's say, he does that throughout the whole thing. And it just the fact that he's sitting there talking about potting a little plant, but the way in which he he produces this information and <laughs> gives it to you, it's just <laughs> it's it's amazing. So I'll put a link in that. But if you have Masterclass, I would say give it a watch if you even want to know anything about gardening, because it's just it's hilarious just watching him explain this stuff. Did you say you got that Masterclass for a dollar or something? It was a, yeah, I got it for, I think it was a dollar or $2 for a year. Okay. I'm just looking at this now. I've never come across this site before, but it's telling me here that Masterclass is Australian, $23.33 per month. Yeah. It's super expensive. It's super expensive. And I, I've watched a couple of them. This is the only one we watched all the way through. It's okay. I don't know. I'm probably maybe not even the right market for this kind of thing but it felt like a lot of things where you could just go and search it and find it online and see how to do it and not watch i remember seeing an ad for it featuring han simmer and i kind of thought to myself how many people are out there aiming to become world famous film composers it just seems a bit it has a feeling of of we're going to turn you into you know the most famous person in this category even though, and I, I found that to be, first of all, just super intimidating that it's like, oh, you're going to learn acting from, you know, whoever's the the biggest name, most accomplished actor ever. And it's like, okay. I mean, it's kind of cool on the one hand that they're, I think they're trying to make it accessible, but it just feels a little, I don't know. So anyways, not, not a, uh, not a promotion for masterclass by any stretch, but this dude is just awesome, and you you should check him out. I want to know who's bankrolling this play, this site. That I'm just clicking through. They've got Gary Kasparov teaching chess. Okay, now I've recently subscribed to a chess.com membership because my brother's gotten me addicted. I'm crap at chess, so I might need that one. Mac OS 10 chess wasn't enough for you? No, nah, it wasn't. No, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> Don't like that one. They've got Steph Curry teaching basketball. Like, really? I, I should, well, in my younger days, I would have enjoyed watching that. You're into basketball, aren't you, Andrew? Oh, totally. You should listen to NBL Pocket Podcast if you get the chance. It's a great podcast. Yeah, wow. There's big names. No wonder it's $23.33 a month. Yeah, they got to pay all these people for right. the six-hour videos that they make. But who is it? It must be a VC-funded thing, Amiibo. I've got a question to ask you. School lunches, okay. Obviously very different in the US from Australia. I I know that, but I feel like it could even be very different depending on the times that we grew up and where we lived, even within Australia, Andrew. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by this because my school lunch experience throughout school was probably more controversial than it needed to be. And I want to know if you're kind of similar. Should I kick this off? Just before you start, when you say school lunches, are you referring to lunches that are procured at the school or lunches that you bring to the school yourself or both? Both. All right. I'm going to kick it off. 
where do I even start? Okay, I, I'm just going to tell you that... I would say I Vegemite is involved. I'm just going to throw that out there. Fascinating you bring that up. Actually, that's a good point to start. I never took Vegemite sandwiches to school. Are you even Australian? Do you know why? Because the moment that you place any kind of sandwich within Glad Wrap and leave it in a bag for a few hours, the soggy factor explodes. And what was once a delicious sandwich or Vegemite on toast has just lost all substance. Couldn't do it. So to this day, I am disgusted by used Glad Wrap. It's one of my pet hates. I kind of pictured Martin as the one that has a locker that he opens and it has a nice jar of Vegemite in there. Somehow he's rigged up that there's a toaster in his locker with a bag of you know bread that he can make his fresh toast yeah. right there. That just seems yeah, like fresh. a new thing. That, yes, if I could have done that, I would have. You're completely right. But there was no avenue or possibility to shove a toaster into a locker. So not happening. So can I, what, can I just clarify okay. as well? You mentioned Glad Wrap. Just for our American yeah. listeners, I think you're referring to Saran Wrap. Isn't that what they call that stuff? Is that what you call it? Saran Wrap. Yes. Oh, there we go. <laughs> not yeah, yeah, Saran Gas. It's not. It's not a. Uh, <laughs> it's not a wartime agent. It's just used to wrap sandwiches. <laughs> well, ours is yeah, called so, Glad Wrap. <laughs> yeah, or cling. Is cling just the more generic term in Australia? Cling would cling just wrap. be generic. Glad would just be the brand, like a like a yeah. situation. Yeah, Glad's the brand. But yeah. Yeah. well, Glad is not uh, promoting or sponsoring anything here. Don't worry about that. Yeah, and it kind of clicked at a young age that soggy sandwiches were not the thing. I don't want this. So as a youngster in primary school, I discovered that they sold tomato and cheese jaffles or toasted sandwiches at the canteen. And I thought, fantastic. I can have a hot toasted sandwich at the canteen. Now I had about two or three of these a week at the cost of 90 Australian cents. We're talking almost no money here. And it was beautiful. It was toasty. It was delicious. Parents actually approached my mother asking how she could possibly afford this, having noticed through their voluntary canteen duties that I was ordering multiple sandwiches per week. Wow, food police. Exactly. And I thought, what kind of ridiculous situation is this that other parents are monitoring another primary school child's lunches and the super expensive $2.70 sandwich combo at school? I don't know how this is a thing. So later to remedy that, I often actually took cheese and crackers to school for lunch, which made me even stranger. So <laughs> now they're just complaining. They're like, I don't think they're feeding him well. It's like, God. They've just sent him with a cheese board. Was it a little snack or was it separate cheese and crackers? No, these were actually, I, I, I took them wrapped in separate cheese. And we're talking like Jats or Ritz or stuff. I did yeah, have yeah. something more substantial, but I just loved cheese yeah. on the biscuit. Okay. Did either of you have anything as eventful as this? The sandwich you just mentioned, you refer to it as a tomato and... Cheese jaffle. Jaffle. Okay. Because <laughs> previously on a different episode, there was a, a something like a jaffer. I Jaffa. 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 That's a, okay. that's a lolly, a lolly that's chocolate. Also an alien in Stargate SG-1. Okay. Yes. And now we have a jaffle. Could you, could you maybe just tease that out what is that theoretically if someone didn't know uh what you were saying right now this is where my knowledge of culinary history may fall over so andrew please jump in and save me if i make a mistake but my understanding is that the jaffle comes from the jaffle maker and we're not just talking about a flat iron sort of press like a sandwich press we're talking about a very specific one where you actually have grooves in the metal plate that 
make like an auto cut large triangle sandwich. Am I am I on the right track here, Andrew? Yeah, this it seals the, the edges as well, so you don't have spillage the around the outsides. That's oh. right. So your cheese doesn't ooze out. The risk there, though, is that if you have something like tomato, you're about to hit a pocket of hot lava in yeah. that thing. Yeah. So you need to puncture the bread or open a slight gap and avoid a steam burn to enjoy your jaffle. Yeah. That's right. Got it. Okay, cool. That sounds great. But always triangular. What's the bread consistency on that? Is that like a like a t- like a regular sandwich bread, or is that more of like a crusty bread? What's the bread situation there? You would normally use white sliced loaf or whole okay. meal. Am I right? Okay. Yeah. You want just a standard sort wonder of square white. thing, because just yeah, wonder yeah. white. Yeah. Okay. That crimps real nice on the edges. If you go out to a deli or some sort of fine European bakery and come home with this punna de casa loaf and try and shove that to be triangulated <laughs> in a jaffle maker, that's not going to work. Got it. Okay. I was a, because uh, I'm a bit older than you, so I was a kid from in, living in the 80s. So the great thing about living in the 80s was that nobody had allergies or they just didn't give it didn't give a shit if somebody had allergies they had so, them they just ignored them entirely yeah <laughs> like go yeah. away billy we don't want to hear about it <laughs> only the strongest shall survive so i used to live on peanut butter and jam sandwiches mm. that was like my go-to nowadays at school kids aren't allowed to eat peanut butter they can't take it in. you can't take a peanut butter sandwich into the school because of peanut allergies i'm saying hey just feed your kids peanut butter really young in life and they'll be fine Right, how's that for a controversial take? That sounds like a medical opinion to me, and that's what we do here, so, yep. So I don't know how I'd survive in school these days, um, and I feel sorry for my own kids, but nevertheless, peanut butter and jam sandwiches was the thing. If I was lucky enough to have money at the, for, for the canteen, and that's like canteen, that's, I don't know, Jason, do you know what a canteen is? That's kind of like the little shop that's run by yeah. volunteers and mothers. Also known as tuck shop. Yep. That I don't know. And I used to get a, my go-to was a crumbed sausage. Now, I don't even think it's really hard to find these days, but basically imagine like just like processed meat, processed ground meat, and then it's covered in almost like a bread crummy sort of substance. Wow. That sounds like a mis- like someone made a mistake and just went with it. Yeah. So it's a schnitty snag. <laughs> yes. Holy shit. Yes. A what? <laughs> a schnitty snag. Schnitty snag. Yeah, schnitty, schnitzel, snag, uh, sausage. This is so good. So, yeah, crumb sausage, and you would get that, and you, they usually, it wouldn't be deep fried, I don't think. I think it would be usually, like, oh. baked, put in a pie warmer or something for, like, a few hours. Were you eating American food? Lovingly sautéed. <laughs> this sounds like an American thing. A processed meat dipped in a bunch of bread, deep fried, shoved onto a stick. So served good. with it at four gallons of coca-cola well then the problem was they would make you really thirsty so you'd have to have a drink along with it and i think I, I think my drink i'd i'd if i had enough money i might get a, a chalk milk or perhaps an orange c like which is basically a sweetened orange juice kind of option important question which chocolate milk was available well being in wa it was uh masters was the uh masters i don't even know if i've heard of that that's like WA milk. It's a very um, prestigious Western yeah. Australian milk. Yeah, Sounds like a golf championship or something. <laughs> they don't export it out to you lot. That was what I usually went with. Some kids would drink spearmint milk. I was never one for spearmint <laughs> milk. Oh, gross. 
Yeah, I thought that too. Spearmint, that is horrific. No. It's a milkshake that brushes your teeth. Come on. Oh. It, it really is disgusting, but it's a delicacy in parts of Western Australia. <laughs> and that comes pre-made? In fact, the company, the company stopped making it for a while and there was such an outrage. Because it's a health hazard. That they, they, <laughs> they were forced to bring it back because of the um, community action. Wow, I'm glad to see that the biggest problems you have in Western Australia is that spearmint milk went away. Yeah. But <laughs> I, and I will just say, Martin, I agree with you. Sometimes I, if I got a sandwich from home that wasn't peanut butter and jam, and it might be like cheese and tomato, there was nothing worse than being excited about a cheese and tomato sandwich, but then it had been sitting around for too long and your bread has just gone to mush and you'd take that bite. And, and fold it on itself. Yeah, it bite, and you'd just be like, Gag reflex straight away as you... Horrible. Okay. Just... Another important question. Did you ever have Devon and tomato sauce sandwiches? Oh, you mean like poloni? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poloni and sauce. That's a staple when I was... They're the primary school. That's a primary school lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I had nightmares as like a primary school kid that an entire platter of that was served to me. Like among the glad wrap. I'm not kidding. Do you know what we're talking about, Jason? Is that like bologna? It's, it was poloni with a P. It's below the processed meat that he mentioned in the schnitty snack. Oh, uh, okay. Got it. I was just going to so, ask, like, did you ever actually have like deli meat on sandwiches or was it always non-meat sandwiches? Well, in the 80s, it it was all processed. Nowadays, I, nowadays kids, I hear kids like, I've got kids of my own now. Little primary school kids are rocking up with sushi. Jeez. Oh, Next are, to their LCM bar. <laughs> That's how I would do it. So what what about you, Jason? What's the what's the American? Did you? I hang on before you answer. <laughs> You've watched enough American television. I'm sure you already know. <laughs> if you got a tray and you're sliding the tray along and you're getting a jelly cup, a little carton of milk, uh, you're getting either a pizza, macaroni cheese, or maybe a burger, and then you're going sitting down at a table. Uh, maybe you sit with the cool kids. Maybe you sit with the nerds. Either way, there's probably going to be a fight. It's probably a food fight. And you're all wearing different clothes for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, wow. This is this caught me a little off guard. I, I don't remember a lot of uh, the past, like more than three years ago. But <laughs> okay. So time frame wise, younger school, I think it was very much pretty standard. You know, maybe a sandwich generally a meat-based sandwich, ham, turkey, something like that. Uh, the regular accessories, some kind of a beverage. I don't think, I was never really a soda kid, or I'm not a, so, I don't drink soda at all now, so I never, it was always more of a, a juice or like a Gatorade, some kind of a generic sports drink. Would you bring it to school in a little brown paper bag? No. Yes, usually brown paper bag really? and then initially switched to or eventually switched to more of a reusable situation that had a little bit of insulation and one of those little cold ice, like reusable ice thingies that you can refreeze. Was it termed a lunch box? I never really used a lunch box. Never had Holy the box. Really? But no, a bag. What? So you turned up with a disposable paper bag every day. <laughs> For a box. while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then went to like an insulated bag thing. Yep. <laughs> it was really like the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Did you have a did you have a maid at home making your lunch? It was so <laughs> wasteful. 
how much crap we threw away in like the late 80s early 90s so much there was the bag and then there was everything in the bag was in another bag right like a little zip bag or something like that and there was just so much waste so did you put waste. your lunch orders in on the morning of the school day through the family intercom <laughs> No, no. Usually uh, the help just had it handled. Wow. I'm, I'm kidding. There was no help <laughs> before before I become the, that guy. My mom just was, yeah, here's your, here's your lunch. Go ahead. And that was about it. Later, when school lunches were a thing, I would say it was probably, I'm not fully remembering this, but I would say it was probably 70 30 on bringing to purchasing at school i always remember lunches at school being super expensive and not a good value at all for what you got it just it was always kind of the same crap and it i don't know why they charged what they charged it seemed like it should have been pennies but it was a hell of a lot so i think i generally would always bring food with me and then, yeah, you go sit in a big open area. I think I never really liked lunch at school. It was like, why can't we just leave? We should just leave. As soon as it was possible for us to figure out how we could just leave campus without anyone finding out, it was like, let's just get the hell out of here and go somewhere else. Well, I had that experience when I was on German exchange in high school. On a particular day, everyone was just allowed to go and leave for some reason. Yeah. We went off and got these awesome German versions of Donner kebabs. And I just went, what is this place? This is unbelievable. Way yeah. better than the pizza rounders that everyone was scoffing back at home. You know about pizza rounders, you two? <laughs> is that like a bagel bite? I suppose. It was just like filth put in made up pastry and sealed. <laughs> everyone else loved them. I thought that they were disgusting. Delicious. Yeah, it was like I could spend X dollars on a crap thing at school or we could leave, get the hell away from school for a while and go get something that was actually good. Did you have a thing that, what was it, sloppy something? What are they called? I just remember sloppy Joe's. Because sloppy right. in Australia, that's what you call a jumper or to you a sweater. And I never understood why that. Huh? You, don't... you call a I've sweater heard... a sloppy Joe? I've heard people call, here, I'm going to look this up now. Oh, yeah. I'm with you now. Yeah, jumper you know is a sloppy mean. Joe. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yep, yeah, I'm with you now. Jumper is a sloppy Joe. Really? No, yeah. that, that's a food here. I love sloppy Joe's. That's my, that's my American heritage. The sweater or the food? The food. Okay. I'd love a sloppy yeah. joe. If you type in sloppy joe Australia, you get things like sloppy joe and pullovers, men's, women's, kids, bonds, that sort of stuff. And I'm like, how did, how did we diverge so much culturally that Americans are eating sloppy joes and we're wearing them? <laughs> Those two things just did not get the memo at some point and they went in completely opposite directions. Sloppy joe, like who? Poor joe. Who was joe? That was wearing a sweater that he thought was nice and then now he became sloppy joe behind his back <laughs> poor guy I and i just remember sloppy joes from billy madison that's like the thing that stuck in my head it's hard to beat a good sloppy joe i was ex if if we would get that mum mum would that would sometimes be like friday night dinner at home and be like mum's making sloppy joes be like, yes yeah awesome and that's me an australian kid with this weird slightly american heritage so do you call them sweatpants or tracky decks they're tracky dads. Thank you. All right. I've good. been I've been I've been indoctrinated into the Australian ways by now. Yeah. Yeah, tracky dads. Still say some words a bit weird though. But yeah, they're tracky dads. You've expanded your vernacular today, Jason, you're all right? Yeah, no, I'm I've just a lot to take in at, at five AM. 
you wear um you know like probably a singlet tracky dacks and a pair of thongs no nope i don't <laughs> <laughs> a wife beater <laughs> no i would wear uh sandals that would be the feet what was the other one you said there that was a, a, a singlet i said singlet but i could have gone with wife beater yeah, probably not that. <laughs> Are people still say that? Is that still a thing? It seems horrific. In Perth, apparently. <laughs> um, a tank top, right? Isn't that what a singlet is? Is like yeah, tank yeah. top. Yeah, no arms, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know. There's, I'm. That's a slight difference because there's the no arms, but then there's like the thin no arms. You know what I mean? Like the, the top part of, on the shoulders yeah. is like the thin. Versus That's just the sleeves being gone? Okay. Yes. Singlet's got to uh, be thin. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. then whatever the other one was is definitely not that. It's probably uh, sweatpants, I guess, would be. Yeah. Trek- and under trek- all that, you'd have a pair of jocks. Uh, underwear? Budgie smugglers, whatever. <laughs> that would be a fun game. That You could say words, and then I have to guess what they are. We should do that sometime. I mean, we do that pretty much every episode, I guess. (laughs) That's kind of what the show is. So That's why it's Hemispheric Views. You guys bantering and I just looking blankly at the screen like, what the hell does that mean? And now it's even more confusing because the Sloppy Joe is closed. So now I can't even hone in on the category because now the categories have gone against each other so you're right yeah. you're right we do have our banter but i feel like andrew do you function as kind of the intermediary or the translator in this situation i do feel a bit that way yeah i sort of feel like i've got a foot in both camps or at least mm. a pinky toe in jason's camp but what i'm hoping is that jason what jason's picking up from the two of us i hope he's taking it out into the wider world i want you to be talking to valerie i want you to be going outside so, you know telling the kids to get off the front yard you know that kind of thing I use all your words all the time. I was going to say your homework tomorrow is Valerie. Tomorrow, Arva, I'm heading to the server for a Chiquita. (laughs) All I heard was I'm heading to the server for a Chiquita. That that sounded a bit more Mexican when you said it. (laughs) What what is a Chiquita? Did you say Chiquita or Chiquito? Chiquito. Like a taquito. Andrew, translate, interpret. Come on. This is your job. Okay. Tomorrow, Arvo. So that's tomorrow afternoon. Hey, I'm Andrew, to, translate Chiquito. I'm going to the Servo, which is the service station that also is like a little deli mini supermarket. Convenience store. Chiquito. Now, that is a um, chocolate bar. Oh, I could be into that. But if I was going to the Servo, I'd rather pick up a Chico Roll. Oh, the Chico Roll. <laughs> that might be better getting from that from the chippy. Yeah, you don't know how long the Chico Roll's been sitting there at the server. Yeah, could be a problem. <laughs> Do you have 7-Elevens there? <laughs>